Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hey, y'all. Thanks for checking out the Chase Homes Podcast. If you are not already a subscriber and this is your first time listening, welcome to the show. Appreciate you guys checking out uh, what we've got cooking here on the program um if you enjoy what you hear today please make sure you hit that subscribe button on your preferred podcast player new episode new content every single day tennessee vols atlanta sports guys sports reporters assemble nfl nba college football all that and more right here on this feed each and every day your favorite writers analysts personalities in the space on this very feed every day so if you like that you like the best national sports talk with a local flavor outside of here in Knoxville, Tennessee, then this is the show for you. So make sure you're locked in on your preferred podcast player. And if you're already a subscriber, you know what I'm about to say, but if you could please leave this show, a five-star rating and write a review on Apple podcasts or Spotify, or however you're listening, I promise you it helps this show continue to grow, helps other people find the show and all that good stuff. So if you could take a second today and you're already a fan you love the show tell a friend family member co-worker whoever about the chase Homes podcast as we get bigger and bigger each and every day here in tennessee i would greatly appreciate it five star review or five star rating write a review i promise it helps in a major way takes a second hit that pause button take care of it today and uh yeah we greatly appreciate it Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. All right, hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Chase Thomas podcast, where I'm still the aforementioned Chase Thomas coming to you live from Knoxville, Tennessee. Everything School HQ up there in New York City. Fangraph's own John Taylor is here after a week away. We missed you, John. How are you? I am doing all right. It's been, honestly, aside from some horrible legal stuff going on in baseball, it seems like it's been yep. a pretty quiet August, baseball-wise. Not, not really a lot say, going on. I mean, there's it's, it's good in the sense that, like, quiet for on-the-field stuff. Everything is yeah. rolling and good there. Off the field, whether it's the Orioles broadcast crew, what's going on with the Rays, that's the kind of stuff where you're like, man, they just, Manfred in this sport, they can't just stop stepping on the rake. They step on the rake in different ways where you're like, oof, goodness gracious. Yeah, I mean, look, the Wander Franco stuff is not remotely their fault, but... um, no. It's, it's, it's just, I I mean, I feel, but this is, this is August generally in MLB. It's, it's the dog days. It's the slow grind into September before the the last pennant races really get going. And we won't talk about really the Wander Franco stuff. It's just horrible. And yeah, more information comes out each day. And I don't really know. Like, it's just, there's nothing to say. Like, it's just, it's horrible. And we'll see what happens uh, on the legal front, but just terrible. Um, John Taylor. Yes. Your take graph 
take of the week. You've had two weeks to sue on this. You've had two weeks to think about this. Where has John Taylor's mind been the last two weeks when it comes to Major League Baseball? Ronald Acuna is not going to win the NL MVP. Oh, wow. So I you've just, lost I'm, it. I mostly you, just oh, wanted to I drop what you're doing. Is it because they're going to give it to Matt Olson and Ronald Acuna? They just, the voters can't find a way to they split it. They can't decide. It? They're, they're going to split the vote and then... Mm. Ozzy Albies is going to come in and further split the vote among the aquarium fanatics love and the that, voter Fran. base. I, I love that that Ozzy Albies is apparently just Weebay from The Wire with just all his fishes. Yes. Um, no, I'm, I mostly just said that because I wanted to see if you could be got after two weeks just to get revved up. Um, mm. It's also just because we, we ran a piece over at Fangraphs this week about the NL MVP race. And I would think most people, if you told them, you know, been following baseball, if you said, hey, there's an actual NL MVP race, most people look at you and go, no, there isn't. It's Ronald Acuna Jr. He is going mm. to win the NL MVP. And honestly, I mean, I can't even keep really keep my take up. It, it, it is probably going to be Ronald Acuna Jr. But I think I just want to use that as a way to highlight the insanely good seasons Freddie Freeman and Mookie Betts are having. Yeah. And to use that to highlight the fact that the Dodgers are on pace to win 98 or 99 games, I believe, and that this team just just cannot be stopped. You know, this is a Dodgers team. We're coming into the season. You and I, you and I both I think, made this point, and I think a lot of people around the league agreed. This was probably going to be the weakest Dodgers team we'd seen in a bit. Uh, didn't quite have the depth of years previous, particularly in the rotation. Look, you know, they more or less sat free agency out. It looked like this was going to be a year where. Maybe it was going to be a 93-win Dodgers team instead. And and for a good long while there, it also looked like, okay, actually the Diamondbacks are going to win the NL West. Actually, mm. the Giants are going to win the NL West. Actually, the Rockies, okay, not. But, you know, for a good long while there, the Dodgers looked mortal. And then all of a sudden, they are right there with the Braves as the best team in the National League, if not the best team in baseball. And to that, you have to give credit to Freeman, who is having the best season of his career, amazingly, at age, what is he now, 34 at this point? Yeah. Um, he is aging like a vintage French wine. It's amazing. Mookie mm. Betts having his best season since his MVP season back in 2018, uh, mm. doing it as essentially a kind of borderline utility player, given how much he's played at second and short, as well as right field, where he continues to play uh, gold glove caliber defense. And, and it's worth knowing the Dodgers have done this too, despite Clayton Kershaw missing his usual at this point, month and a half of the season with injury, getting mm. no innings from Walker Bueller, getting very few innings from um Dustin May given his blown out ACL with no set closer with a bullpen in constant flux no Gavin Lux Miguel Vargas back down in AAA I think we all would have agreed Miguel that a, a productive Miguel Vargas would have been central to anything the Dodgers would have been doing this season and right now he's just sitting in AAA doing whatever he's doing in AAA uh an outfield with James Hayward and Trace Thompson at one point and or sorry Jason Hayward not James Hayward um, and James Altman, you know, guy, you know, these were not, these are not household names. These are not guys you really, I think would have expected to be contributing on a regular level. Um, and Hold yet on. here they are. It's the Dodgers. And we said before the year, actually, if I want to replay the tapes here, the Dodgers were always going to get, because it's just the Dodgers. They find ways to get something out of nothing all over the place. Winning in the margins is one of the specialties of this, uh, LA Dodgers team. It is, but I think what uh, what I think kind of had me on the fence about them was just the fact that they were relying on that depth to a degree that I don't think they had in years previous, you know, because they mm. had done stuff and gone out and done stuff like, okay, we'll trade for Mookie Betts. Okay, we'll sign Freddie Freeman. Okay, we'll yeah. sign Trevor Bauer. And granted, Bauer blew up in their face, but it is worth noting he was very good for the period of time he was actually pitching for the Dodgers, yeah. you know. For as much as that's not a team, and we've talked about this, it makes like you know, that spends gajillions of dollars in free agency. They usually just target one guy, one star player to acquire, go get them, and then move on from there. But this offseason, that wasn't that wasn't even the case there. You know, there, there was no, uh, you know, the biggest free agent the Dodgers signed this offseason was, I can't even remember now off the top of my head, you know, it's, you know, the, a team also that, you know, they let Trey Turner walk. They went into the season with initially Lux at shortstop and then Miguel Rojas, and now it's, um, you know, Ahmed Rosario playing there alongside Rojas, you know, they, their biggest pitching signing was arguably Noah Syndergaard, who was a flat out disaster for them. It, it, it's just, it, it is really it, like, you know, to, to your point, it is a testament to what the Dodgers can do that even with an off season, they more or less took off in large part, I think because of financial reasons, I think similar to what the Yankees did a few years ago to try to reset some luxury tax penalties that, 
you know, without even doing the big move that they usually do, that they're still this good. And again, so much of that is credit to Freeman and credit to Betts. You know, I, I texted you the other day, partially joking that, you know, any Braves fan who's who's still carping about uh, picking Matt Olson over Freddie Freeman shouldn't be allowed in the stadium anymore. But mm. legitimately, Freddie Freeman is an unbelievable hitter, an unbelievable player. It, it is astonishing how well he is still playing at this point. Like he, you know, it, it is, it's crazy. Me, Matt Olson is having the season he's having. He's leading the, the majors and home runs. Yeah. He has been on an unholy bonds level tear mm. for the last month and a half. He is still not as valuable overall as Freddie Freeman has been this season. And we'll probably still finish behind Freeman in wins above replacement it, it, it it's a, it's amazing what Freddie Freeman is doing. To say nothing of Betts too, who is mm-hmm. you know proves every day that that trade. I mean, I'm a broken record on this, but I'll be a broken record about it forever. That that trade from Boston was the single stupidest move the Red Sox have made, probably in the in this in this millennium, if yeah. not if at least one of the five stupidest moves a franchise has ever made. So, I mean, could I say kudos to the Dodgers? But it, it's it's remarkable what they do. You know, especially when you consider, you know, it, it's so hard to do this year in and year out. Like, you know, we, the the other teams we talk about have been capable of doing this kind of thing. You'd see, like, the Yankees are finally having that slowdown point after these last few years where things have started tipping over into non-functionality. Now we have this Yankees team that's probably the worst Yankees team that we've seen in, in about 25 or 30 years. You know, mm-hmm. the Rays, for as great a start as they got off to and for as long as they've been doing this as well, uh, are are in real real trouble now with the way things have shaken out with their roster and particularly with their rotation. Um, you know, th- there's just no the Cardinals who are the hallmark of consistency in Major League Baseball. Uh, th- one of the worst seasons in their franchise since at least maybe the, since at least the early '80s, if not further back than that. You know, it really is just the Dodgers who do this year in and year out. The fact that they've only won one World Series amidst all of this is honestly remarkable to me and mm. proves pretty well the 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 old Billy Bean adage of just the 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 playoffs being a total crapshoot, yeah. But it it, it is it, what they have done. I think the only real comparison we have in recent years across any sport, or at least across North American professional sports, is what the Patriots did during the Belichick Brady years. Just consistent, flat out domination every single year, always contending. It, it's really impressive. So. You know, I mm. again, I think Ronald Acuna will win the NL MVP, especially because Freeman and Betts have both already won one. Acuna has obviously never won one, and Acuna is also having a season that is just like Ricky Henderson's peak. But well, maybe not Ricky Henderson's peak, but it's just something out of just purely magical for what mm. probably will be the best team by record in baseball at this point in Atlanta. Although the Dodgers are going to get pretty close at this rate. Um, yeah. But I, I just I just want to I want to give the Dodgers their flowers. They deserve it. They're going to win the NL West for the umpteenth straight year. They're almost certainly going to be right behind the Braves in terms of World Series favorites. You know, I would not bet against them, you know, with, I, and I think, too, if it does end up being a Braves Dodgers NLCS. Oh, man, is that going to be absolutely great? That's going to be that's that's what we're all rooting for. We're rooting for a Braves Dodgers NLCS. I know you're not rooting for that. You want the Braves to just face whoever. Yeah. And we're rooting. I don't need that. I've seen that. I, I've seen the pilot. I don't. <laughs> I, I'm good. I don't know why some you're, people want that. They're like, I want the 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 road, the most arduous road, so that people uh, look at this. People are never. Gonna, if there is a person out there who is not going to give you the full like, hey, your team did it. You're clearly the best team. Like, they're never going to do it. So stop worrying about what other people think about whether or not your title was you the best title you or you had the best, the hardest path, the most worthy path. No, you just don't win. want. You don't want Bama. No, like you do not why? want Bama. No. Who cares? Win it however you win it. Like, I no, you know what I want? Like, give me the Giants who I'm going to see on Friday in person because I'm going back to Atlanta uh, nice. this weekend and my wife's going to Truist for the first time. So um, we will see the Giants and the Braves on Friday night. But um, no, I don't know. Give me the Giants in round one. Give me the Marlins in round two and let's uh, let's go. That's what I want. Let's, let's do uh, let's do Braves Nationals for the NLCS. Yeah, instead. why not? It's but yeah, it's it's remarkable what the. Do you know the Nationals have a six seven freak in their farm system in center field right now? Uh, James Wood, you mean? Yes. Yeah, he's their number one prospect. He was the he was the top prospect return in the Soto trade from San Diego. Yeah, I didn't really know him, and I was going through uh, Kylie McDaniel's uh, top uh, something prospects on ESPN today, and I was like, 
six seven like is this a thing now maybe that's my take of the week is baseball getting like just the gigantic uh players now is this are we in the gigantic players in the la de la cruz uh james wood, wood well, era i like, would what? i would be i wouldn't be surprised if this is just part of again you get better not just better training and better nutrition and better everything yeah. for these guys, but we're also, and this is gonna, this is gonna now veer weirdly into being Joe Rogan's podcast. Oh, but no. you know, this is, this is the human race as it currently stands right now has probably never been fitter, uh, never been better, better fed, never uh-huh. had better nutrition, never had better access to all kinds of medical. Uh, interventions that can not just prolong life but improve it. I yeah. think the natural end result is that you end up getting a end up getting a, a you know a slice of the human race that has just never been not just more physically fit but also more physically freakish. I mean, I was seeing, I was watching video yesterday of Chris Jenkins's son, who is a D lineman for Michigan's football team, doing mm. something called a Turkish sit up, which on on the which to start with, anytime a, a, a an exercise or weightlifting move involves mm. a descriptor that is of a country east of Germany, you know it's going to be something borderline psychotic because yes. they, they they train like war is coming, which mm. in some cases it is. But it, it basically involves lying on the floor, holding a dumbbell straight up, and then getting off the floor using only your two feet and the other free hand standing and then getting back down while never letting the dumbbell down. Uh-huh. The dumbbell was 170 pounds. Oh, this man did it without breaking a sweat. He's a 20 year old kid. It, it, it's it, like the level of a bit. And like, it's not just that it's guys like Victor Winbayama, who is just a he, he's he looks like he's one of the X-Men, man. Like he, mm. he, his proportions and his body just they don't make any sense. So, no, it, it doesn't surprise me that you do now get guys like Ellie De La Cruz or like James Wood, who are just these essentially these giants who yeah. also happen to have this insane fast twitch. Uh, these insane fast switch muscles and muscle fibers. I mean, there's uh, I've already forgotten the name, but I think one of the top wide receiver prospects currently in college football is a dude who weighs about as much as um, what's his name? DJ Metcalf does now, mm. but runs faster than DJ Metcalf, which DJ Metcalf himself is already a freak Are you about of Marvin Harrison Jr. Belief. Which I, the other fun part yeah. of this again, Chris Jenkins, son, Marvin Harrison's son. Like, yeah. You know, that that's already fun on its own, which is another part of it, too. It's like a lot of these guys coming from athletic backgrounds just have access yeah. to the kind of training and nutrition and all that stuff that that we couldn't even dream about in the past. But, yeah, I mean, this is many Ramirez we live in an, coming through Knoxville excited for that. Like what that's we, we live like. in an era of gods, man. It's it's terrifying. Mm. Like and, I said, I just I'm, I'm, I'm this close. All I need to do now is mention something about the ancient Mayans. And this is fully Joe Rogan's podcast. Well, hey, you have some time on this very show to figure out how to bring it into the minds. Uh, well, any Dante. anything you say from now on, no matter how outlandish it is, I'm just going to go, no shit, bro, really? Whoa. I, hey, that could be a whole thing on this very show. <laughs> the Joe go Rogan. The Joe, just rename Take Graphs to Joe Rogan's Sports Take of the Week. And it's oh, just... Wow. I don't want to get sued. I don't want to No, it's, this, is not a, this is not a good place we're going. <laughs> this is uh wait, wait we're veering we're veering too far left uh we're veering back to the right here john and not in that way uh how screwed as are we talking about which which trump indictment are we talking about now oh god um how screwed are the rays now with shane mcclanahan gone for the rest of this year gone next all year next year with tommy john so obviously the really wander franco stuff terrible um yeah. i think in kylie's piece though i think he hit two of the top 10 prospects that are actually close to making baseball were two raised guys so in that's the in raised fashion they just there is always going to be next man up mentality um with their farm that's system and they, everything that's, else that's how they have to function there's no there is no other choice for them but to be a next man up factory but what next like are the race screwed do they make the playoffs what like i, mean, I don't I know they, what to do like what happens if you're the Rays? They're still going to make the playoffs, if only because one, they are. Um, if you, if we're looking at the standings uh, right now, not. I mean, they won today, so we'll add mm. that to the to the counter. Which I don't believe our playoff odds. Our playoff odds have not been updated today, but the Rays now have seventy four wins and fifty losses. The Orioles are currently playing right now, seventy four wins and forty six losses. 
Uh, so the Rays are two games behind the Orioles as it stands right now in the East. The other thing is that the Rays are not just in a wild card position, but very, very well ahead in a wild card position. The mm. third wild card right now is Toronto, who is currently playing, and I know this because I have Kevin Gaussman starting in fantasy, which I know no one cares about. Mm. Uh, they're playing the Phillies. Yes. So that game is currently ongoing as we talk, but Toronto is uh, five games behind Tampa Bay in the wild card race. Mm. So in other words, Tampa has at minimum a five game cushion on third place and a seven game cushion on the team closest in the wild card race, which is Seattle with Boston a game behind that. The other part of that is that beyond Seattle and Boston, there is no other AL team really in this race. The Yankees are six and a half games out at 500 right now and almost certainly going to lose tonight to Atlanta again. The Angels are three games under 500. They're eight games out. The Guardians are four games under 500. They're eight and a half games out. And then after that, it's the bottom four teams in the American League. So it, it would take an almost a historic collapse for the Rays to miss the postseason at this point. But with the way things stand now, especially with McClanahan down, um, on top of already having lost Jeffrey Springs, already having lost Drew Rasmussen with Franco out as well, they're going to be really hard-pressed to make it through the postseason at this point. Um, in part because beyond Tyler Glasnow, that rotation is really, really thin at this moment. I mean, it, it says a lot that the Rays are willingly starting Zach Littell every five days at this point. Granted, because of the Rays, Zach Littell has been amazing while starting for them because they can they, they can take a tree stump and turn it into a three ERA pitcher. Mm. But there's only so much you can really do with that. And again, the Rays rotation into the postseason will be Glasnow, Zach Eflin, Aaron Savale, Zach Littell. That's just not good enough. I, I I just I don't see how that how that group is good enough to get you through to say nothing about the fact to say nothing of the fact that, again, as we've said throughout the course of the season, the Rays bullpen isn't particularly good either. Granted, mm -hmm. they've got Pete Fairbanks back. It looks like Andrew Kitteridge will be back at some point in the near future. Um, you know, that will help, obviously, but this is not as deep or as strong a race team as we've seen. And losing Franco is just enormously bad for them. Mm. You know, you, you could talk about the rotation. They they can make pitching stuff work because of just how they've, you know, how essentially how used they are to having to make that work and to using the bullpen anyway. And also for the fact that for, you know, so much of the postseason, you're not really asking your starter to go more than five innings anyway. Eflin and possibly Glasnow are the only two guys in that rotation are going to be we're going to be doing that on a regular basis. But the problem you're going to run into there just to tie that off is that as we saw when the Rays fell to the Red Sox back in 2021, when you don't, when you only have two starters that you realistically trust to get through the lineup more than twice, you are putting an enormous amount of pressure and responsibility on your bullpen to clean up the remaining outs, and that's just not as easy to do when you have. I mean, granted, the the off days for this postseason are a lot more like what they were uh, pre twenty twenty two, and and I think even pre twenty twenty one, but still. There's just so many games, to, so many games you have to work that through, and especially because the Rays are going to be a wild card team, they're going to have to play those extra minimum two games in that first round to get through. I, you know, I, I don't really see how that's going to work for them. The second part is they don't have a replacement for Franco. They simply mm. do not right now. It's Oslavis Basabe who's currently taking those at bats. Um, via our prospect rankings, we had him at. He's our number five prospect for the Rays, 45 future value, was signed out of Venezuela. Not a bad player by any stretch. Again, he's our number five prospect, but not in our top 100. Not really a guy I think the Rays were expecting to, you know, to have to give any playing time to at this point in time. Who knows? He could surprise us, but you take Franco out of that lineup, uh, you are putting so much pressure on, really, Yandy Diaz and Randy Arozarena to carry you through. Because the other part of this is, Brandon Lau has not looked really functionally healthy or, or productive at the plate all season, in part because of this lingering uh, chronic back injury he's been suffering from in the last two seasons. Uh, Josh Lowe has taken a has really struggled in the second half. He's really fallen off his, his first half pace. Jose Siri, Isaac Paredes, those are you know super aggressive hitters who I don't really know that you feel comfortable with uh, letting them. You know I, those are guys I think that get exposed in a postseason lineup, particularly given how much matchups other teams are going to play. It's going to be really tough sledding for the Rays from here on out. Um, and of course, the hard thing for them is not just that, you know, what the loss of McClanahan does to their postseason hopes this year, but they're without him all next year, too. When they're yes. already going to be down Jeffrey Springs all of next year, when there's a good chance that Drew Rasmussen will be down all of next year as well. They will probably at some point get, get Shane Baz back next year. He has been on the shelf himself with Tommy John surgery that he underwent last September. So by the time the season starts next year, he should be ready to go again. But... Can you explain Again, Zach like, Littell to me? 
No, I cannot. I absolutely okay. <laughs> cannot. No, ben Clemens wrote about Littell last week, and his his uh, conclusion was more or less, I don't know how to explain this. The Rays are more or less wizards. Mm. But the, the problem the Rays are going to have is, you know, they've lost th- not just three of their better starters in McClanahan, Rasmussen, and Springs, likely for the entirety of 2023, all three of them. Mm. But they also have lost three guys who were cheap for them. You know, with Rasmussen and Springs signed to reasonable extensions and McClanahan obviously still uh, very early in his career. That's what the Rays need in order to work going forward is a lot of that. A lot of their star power needs to come from the guys making the least amount of money because they are not a team that's going to go out this season and this offseason and sign Blake Snell. You know, Mm. they're not going to go after Julio Urias. They're obviously not going to go after Shohei Otani. They are not built to replace those guys in free agency. So at this point now, you're if you're the Rays, you're just praying and hoping that from your farm system, uh, a guy like Mason Montgomery and maybe little and uh, can can give you some innings. A guy like Taj Bradley, who I imagine will also be part of their postseason roster one way or the other, be it as a maybe again as a guy to get through the lineup two times or as a potential bulk reliever guy who can give you two or three innings out of the bullpen. You know, they have to hope that he takes a step forward next season after it was a pretty rough debut for him. It's not impossible. Again, the Rays could take any inanimate object and turn it into a Cy Young finalist, but you can only the the chain can only suffer so much strain before it breaks. And I think for the Rays, we're at that point where, you know, it's we we write them off every at the beginning of every season because they don't do enough or because or I, I know you don't write them off. I write them off because you I'm write them off because you're just hater. tired of it. And you and I understand I'm, it. I'm beyond tired of it. I'll, I'm I'll just admit at the point where I'm there. like. I just, until it actually ends, I'm never betting against it. But that rotation is not just thin this year, but it's also going to be thin next year. You know they're not going to go out in free agency and do much. Maybe yeah. there's a trade to be made, and certainly it's, it's you know, I'm not going to write off the 2024 raise until we see what the offseason brings us, but they're in a really bad position. And boy, is it after the start they had, after how good they looked, after how it finally seemed, like everything had come together the way it was supposed to there, it's... It, it, it especially too with the Franco stuff where it's like it, it it's one thing you can you could argue okay maybe there's something to be said about the way the Rays handle their pitchers that so many of these guys are blowing out in the way they are mm. the Franco stuff I mean it we'll see too I mean for all I me mean, we'll see but that that's one where that's to say nothing of just the emotional gut punch that that is you know of not just losing a guy who's so valuable to you but also for what he has allegedly done oof boy it's it's really ugly down there right now. So uh, I think the Rays did, you know, like I said, their their playoff position is still more or less secure, even with the way things are now. But like where are those uh, guys post- heads at? Like, how do you even go with the Shane and Wander? Very different circumstances. But like, I just I don't I don't know what kind of headspace that's like. It, that's it's just got to be insane. Yeah. And it's got to be I, again, if there's any team that has embodied next man up in baseball any more than the Rays. It's, I mean, it's probably the Dodgers. But, you know, that's. If anything, at the very least, they're used to this kind of thing where it's just next man up, next man up, next man up. But there's only so long, you so many times you can do that before you run out of guys. And I think the Rays are perilously close to that point, if not at that point right now. Well, I think what's too, it's going to be interesting with the Rays going forward is the Orioles are in better shape and they're going mm-hmm. to be in better shape for the next several years. Like Jackson yeah, Holiday any- might be a star next year. For yeah, I, Baltimore. yeah. If, if anything, you know, the leaving Franco aside because we don't know what's coming with that. Tampa's position for next year, I think, cements the Orioles as being your AL East favorite, which I think was already already felt like the case given how given how well that player development system is working. And given and it's too not that, going anywhere, right? And then you have the Blue Jays who are going to spend, and they're not going anywhere. The Blue Jays have a great like base, like they have a high floor. Like I'm not sure if they'll say, ever reach uh, like a World Series favorite. But their floor is high for this yes, year. They're, per- and for, they're yeah. perpetual 90 plus win team to yeah. say nothing of the fact that barring uh, a rather unexpected teardown on either team's part, the Red Sox and Yankees aren't going anywhere either. Yeah, this is these are the weakest Red Sox and Yankees. Well, maybe not the weakest Red Sox team. This is the weakest Yankees team we've seen in years, and they're still probably yeah. going to finish somewhere around 83 or 84 wins, which is can we also not just the say, Yankees, sorry, but, I don't want to hurt your feelings, John, but like the Red Sox not just using the last three years to do the full lawn tear down, just rip the bandaid off and get rid of I, everybody. I, just, I don't, what I mean, a waste. That's a, that's, I think there's a debate to be had about whether the full on tear down even really works anymore because part of it is you need that God tier player development system to go with it. I mean, yeah. ask the Royals or ask the athletics or ask the tigers how well that's worked out for them. You know, it's true. Great. I'm not saying the Red Sox are the tigers of the A's, but 
I also think that it's one thing to do that in a market like Kansas City where no one is expecting anything at a certain point. I and just this don't... time of year it's hotter than two rats. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, as, as Ichiro has so wonderfully told us. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think you can get away with the full teardown in Boston or New mm. York for that matter. One of, one of my takes I was thinking of was maybe the Yankees should tear it down, but I also neither of those rosters really work all that well for a teardown anyway. In New York, you've already got Aaron Judge and Garrett Cole there. In Boston, you've got Raphael Devers. There's not like you got to take advantage of guys, especially given that you have in each of those teams has given those guys ungodly sums of money to be good now, not just in the future, but right now. Also, you know, how they, hilarious they, they have would it to be right now? If Derek Jeter came in and he was the leader, that report this week where Derek Jeter is the next GM of the Yankees is hilarious. I don't buy that's, it. I don't. That's, that's not a, that's happening. A thing. Someone actually said that. That was I saw it on Twitter uh, earlier today. Wow. Okay. That's whoever whoever thought that one up is real. That's that's a take I should have gone with. Make that's Derek another one Jeter like the, the Rays is manager. like. Why are people like? It could be twenty thirty seven, and I would be surprised if Brian uh, Cashman is not the GM. Of the New York Yankees. Yeah, he'll like, be the, he'll be doing that job three years after his death. Yeah, it's it's well, it's also pretty clear to me that Yankees ownership, I think, is in a similar position to Red Sox ownership, where they don't really care whether or not championships are being won, just whether or not things are proceeding along in a financially efficient way. Here's what he said. Here's what Sean Marash uh, on the uh, WFAN Sports Radio said. Oh, Quote: God. If Brian Cashman is fired after this year, next year Derek Jeter will be the guy to replace him. No, absolutely not. No I don't chance. think he wants that Zero job. Chance. No, no. Why on earth would he want that job? Jeter is a vibes guy. Like he left and he was even a behind the scenes kind of guy in Miami. I don't think he's interested in. He reminds me a lot of Peyton where and Peyton being Peyton Manning, where I think he just likes having his hands in different things. Like, I'll just try Fox. I'll try some broadcasting. I'll jump into this. I'll try this. I'm not really committing full time to what it takes to do being or be the gm of the new york yankees and everything that would entail i'm good no uh, I, I don't, that's a hard I just, pass i don't i don't see that for jeets i don't no. see that being his path going forward no i don't think so either uh john the phillies yes. don't look now may have uh no. turned the corner here they've played really good baseball the last two months are we in danger of the philadelphia phillies finding their way back to the nl or the um excuse me the nlcs once again I mean, are they on track i think i think that was always the case for the phillies because i think as we saw last year this team is uniquely well designed to be a great postseason team they're two really good starters up top yeah in zach wheeler and aaron nola they have a brutal in terms of uh, for opposing pitchers uh core of the lineup uh now enhanced by trey turner even though he has not been very good this season but hey phillies fans love him um they are playing better i think especially defensively this year than last year which i think was one of their real achilles heels um was their defense the bullpen i think has been better too even though craig kimbrell has stumbled as of late yeah i i don't see any reason i mean i think if you're again if you're looking at the hierarchy of nl teams and and how you feel about them world series wise i think your top two are atlanta and the dodgers in some in some order you know pick one pick whichever you like but I think of the teams after that, I have no problem seeing Philly as, as being kind of the number one second tier contender because part of it too is who else are you really going with? I know that the Giants are right there, right behind them in the NL wildcard race, but I, I don't really think aside from the pitching you fear the Giants, especially because that lineup is very easily prone to getting shut down. Uh, I think Miami is hanging on in large part because no one else in the NL seems to really have any interest in tr- in, in getting hot right now. The the Reds have slumped since the All-Star break. The, the Diamondbacks have been in free fall since the All-Star break. The Padres are just clearly not going to get it together at this point, and I've just, I, I think they're they are out of time at this point to to get back into this race. So uh, sad. That really, that really just leaves Milwaukee, and I think Milwaukee is just a San Francisco light in the sense mm. that, you know, it, they have the same advantage Philadelphia does in that there's nobody on earth that wants to face Corbin Burns and Brandon Woodruff back to back in a postseason series. But that offense is really bad. You know, that that's not a lineup that I think is going to be able to scratch together more than three or four runs a night. And granted, that can work with Burns and uh, Burns and Woodruff on their best and with a bullpen that I think is better than most people, I, I think, realize. But, you know, again, Philly is just well built to succeed in the playoffs, given how they're given uh, given that roster. And I think. Yeah, I, I think I would feel very comfortable saying that, you know, I, I would expect Philly to be there in some capacity or another. And they already showed it last year, too. They are not, for, for whatever this is worth, and I know this is getting into the Jeets and Tangibles realm, they're not afraid of other teams. You know, they, they are more than mm. happy to, to go up against these teams and fight. You know, you saw it in the series against Atlanta. You saw it in the series against the Padres. You know, there there is a real 
you know, you, you've seen it just in the way they, they've played lately, too. Michael Lorenzen's no-hitter with the way the fans have, have kind of rallied behind Trey Turner. Um, they are... And I think, too, that, that also does count for something to say to the fans. Citizens Bank Park might be the biggest home field advantage in the National League at this point. Um, mm. I don't really know that there's another fan base that has that impact, that effect, the way Phillies fans do. You saw it all last postseason, just how loud and crazy those fans can get. I think that does make a real, real difference. So, yeah, I, I would feel really good about saying, you know, I, I think when, it, when, when, when we make postseason picks over at Fangraphs in about a month, I guess uh, about six weeks time, I'm probably going to be boring and pick one of Atlanta or the Dodgers to come out of the NL and be mm. in the world series. But I think Philly is going to be best world series odds here, John Taylor for those Atlanta Braves on fan. Yeah. And I mean, if, again, you go by, if, if you're going purely just by our, uh, by our playoff odds, we've got by world series, by world series percentage, we've got Atlanta 25.2. Like you just said, uh, the Dodgers right behind them at 15.9. But then the second, the third best World Series odds in the National League, your Philadelphia Phillies, admittedly four point two percent, but still, you that, know who's that, an awesome GM who has fun every year of his life, Dave Dombrowski. Dave, Dave Dombrowski has life. a blast every day. Yeah, because he gets to spend other people's money and other yes. people's prospects to build winning teams. He gets to play fantasy baseball and all for all intents and purposes, but yeah. for real. I think he um, has the most fun of any GM in baseball the last twenty five years. And I think it's also worth noting too that. If there's a scenario in which Atlanta and the Dodgers both do get knocked out early, some way, yeah. somehow, say in the division series, who's standing in Philly's way? At that point, at that point, you're you're not just you're not just thinking that Philly is probably the best team left, but at the absolute worst, they are the equal, if not better, of every team left standing in the National League. And that's what yeah. happened last year too. They ran, they got. I mean, granted, they did that themselves by knocking the Braves out. But then they got the the benefit of the Padres knocking the Dodgers out and getting to face a Padres team that I think people you know we thought was good, but I don't think people necessarily felt was World Series good. Yeah, John. Final yes. thing before we reconvene about uh, a certain uh, legendary pitcher that I'm curious about for how you'll remember him. Yes. Um, the Angels are cooked. Yep. They have. Yep. They're done. John. They have a 0.5 chance of making the playoffs. For context, 0.5%. for context, the Oakland A's are at 0.0%. This is a team that were buyers at the deadline. And the they Angels have, have... The Angels have worse postseason odds per, per our site than the Tigers do. That's... They were buyers, John Taylor. Mm-hmm. Yes. This is why I was so nervous, and I was like, this is why you needed, unfortunately, the cold, calculated GM in the room to be like, look... This is going to suck. Fans are going to hate it. Mike Trout's not coming back. Shohei has to be moved. We can't just get a compensatory pick for him. We have to do this. Like we're we're the Angels. We're not making it. What like this is this is not happening. The Rangers are awesome. The Astros are going to figure it out. Let's just bite the bullet. Let's get it let's get out in front of this. And I said in the show I was like this just I understand why you didn't do it. But betting on the Angels to figure this out and make a deep playoff run and everything else after everything we've seen to this point, um, really with this ownership group for over a decade now and just with how this team has worked, it sucks to the fans. It sucks now this arm soreness for Shohei. We'll see what that means down the stretch here for Otani. AL MVP year. I just... Are you... Is it fair to say at this point on August 16th they made a monumental mistake not just moving Shohei Otani? No, I mean hindsight's always twenty twenty, and I, I come and I think when we debated time, I, I understand your position, and you know, again, on a cold logical level, yes, you're right. Like the odds were low enough, and the chances of getting like, but I will never fault a team, particularly a team like the Angels that has had nothing to show for anything for so long. Yeah, to say essentially to pull a fire festival and say, let's just, let's just do it and be legends. And mm. did it blow up in their face? Yes. At the same time, I, I don't know how, if you're an angels fan, you can look at that team. If Artie Moreno were to come out and say, well, the, the best player any of us have ever seen in our lifetime, aside from the other best player, any of us have ever seen in our lifetime, who is also on this roster we just gave him away. He's gone now. He's never coming back. 
But hey, stick around and root for us anyway? Come on. Like, no, like, no self-respecting Angels fan would look at that and go, oh, yeah, I'm sticking around. Yeah. That, that it, it is, to a certain degree, franchise suicide to do something like that. It is a one-way path to an irrelevance that, granted, the Angels are already irrelevant in the grand scheme of things. And that was part of my point, too. They're already kind but, of there. But to a to a kind of perpetual irrelevance that is a, a stain that you can't get out. To say nothing of the fact of what it just shows you to be, I think, to the league at large, which is we're not going to try. We had yeah. we were gifted the best player on the earth, and we decided, nah, screw it, just screw it. We're not going to do this. It's too yeah. hard. I I think that's just what it comes down to. When when the when the when the calculus is essentially it's too hard, that just doesn't feel right to me. And I hmm. I understand all of this is vibes. You know, it is a purely vibes based argument that if you have the best player in baseball. You should do everything in your power to try to make the playoffs with the best player in baseball unless and until it becomes mathematically impossible to do so. Yeah. And I will note that for, for what it's worth, the, the Lucas Giolito trade uh, took place on July 27. Going mm. back to our playoff odds, which just a happy reminder, if you are on fan graphs, you can get playoff odds for any single day of the season just by going there. There you go. The Angels playoff odds on July 27th were 22.7%. That's better. That was better than the Mariners. Uh, that was better than, or better than the Mariners. Better than the Cubs. Mm. Uh, about the same as the Reds. About the same as the Padres. About the same as the Guardians. About the same as, or and only about ten points shy of the Yankees. That's not great, but that's not it. That's not over. That's not done. You can, again, the the Mariners are in playoff position right now, and their playoff odds were worse. Mm. Uh, the you know the 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 pot well the Padres aren't a good example the the Cubs are in a better position the Angels are now and their playoff odds were worse yeah I think the argument you can make is that if you are going to go all in you need to go all caps all in it cannot just be Lucas Giolito and then uh, literally CJ Crone and Randall Grichuk y- you've got to do more and I think you know at that point you can then it becomes an argument of well did the Angels have the pieces to do more and eh, not really because their farm system is a disaster but Regardless, until uh, essentially until the clock runs out, if you have the best player in baseball, you try. You try to make it happen. Especially yeah. because, and I, I argued at the time, and I still believe it now, and even if he is going to walk away, and I, I, I guarantee now that Shohei Otani, on the last day of the season, will have played his final game as a Los Angeles Angel of Anaheim. Yeah. Um, oh, man, I, I completely lost my point there. That's fun. Um, but, uh, but I made the point then. There it is. Yes. You need to demonstrate to Otani, if you have any hopes and dreams at all of keeping him, that you're going to try. You mm. need to make that effort. Because if they had come back, if the, if Angel's ownership had come into that clubhouse, which, well, they wouldn't. But if Angel's ownership had essentially said on August 1st, nope, let rest of the season, doesn't matter, who cares, we're not going to try anymore. Otani's as good as gone at that point. Yeah. He, he will make that decision right then and there that he is simply done with this franchise. Granted, he, he will be done with this franchise because he cannot afford to waste any more years of his life just playing for this Mickey Mouse team. But at the very least, you gave him a reason theoretically to stay. And if it had worked, and again, there's no reason it could not have worked aside from, again, like you need to aim a little higher than CJ Crone. Mm. But if it had worked, you have now reestablished the possibility and a good possibility at that, that Otani might say, hey, we tried, we made an effort. And ownership has shown that they are committed to getting this team into the postseason. So if I stick around and they make the right moves, it can actually happen here. Because yeah. who knows? Maybe he likes Anaheim. Well, nobody likes Anaheim. But maybe he likes being on the Angels. Maybe he's just comfortable there at this point. I mean, look, if he if it's true, and I think it is true, that he wants to stay on the West Coast primarily in this point in his career, the Angels are already right there. And they come yeah. with a lot of built-in advantages. Mike Trout is already there. Um Okay, I've run out of built-in advantages, but uh, maybe I don't. know, Maybe Otani's a really big Disney head, and he just likes to be able to go to Disney whenever. Anthony he feels Rendon's like. contract. Anthony Rendon's contract is there. Um, Mickey Moniak. Nick, Mickey Moniak is the there. The Joyces. <laughs> ben, yeah, and ben Joyce Zach, is somewhere down in there. that system. Yeah. Um, I think it to say. I mean, on a moral level, it's cowardice to give up with Otani, but I think on a purely uh, just like logic-based level you cannot give up when you have that player until you don't have any choice left 
And yeah. I think there was still a choice, even if it was a small choice, even if it was, the odds were small, even if the odds were long, I think you have to try. And again, hindsight 2020, if the Angels had known, okay, we're going to lose our first seven games right out of the deadline and we'll be effectively wiped out from playoff con- contention before August like 10th even rolls around, yeah, they would have traded Otani, like for sure, you know? But again, hindsight is 2020. There was no way to know. It was just as likely that they could have rolled off seven straight wins instead. I mean, really, and, and ultimately the problem with the Angels isn't so much that they didn't trade Otani. The problem is all the decisions they made up to that point. Yeah. Of not not doing better in developing their players, of not doing better in free agency, of you know, and some of it's just the bad luck of, for example, Rendon just being apparently being made of glass. You know, there's yeah. nothing they could really have done about that, or the fact that Trout cannot get through a full season healthy at this point, or that they don't understand how pitching works in any capacity. But I I can't fault them for trying. You know, I can fault the Angels for lots of stuff, and in fact, I just did. But I cannot fault them for making an honest effort because if you can't make the honest effort, what at the end of the day is the point? If you don't make the honest effort, you're the A's. No one wants to be the A's. No one should be the A's. We need fewer A's. No one should want to be the A's. No. Uh, John Taylor, final thing here on today's show. Cole Hamels officially retired. Yeah. Noted Braves legend Cole Hamels. Uh, called it a career. Um, two things. One, is he a Hall of Famer? And two, what's your favorite Cole Hamels memory? Because I think he's going to be kind of forgotten about by a lot of baseball fans. Because I think he was a sneaky, like the Phillies run was iconic. And I think that just feels like forever ago now. But I think Cole the Hamels will be. World Series, you mean? Yeah. Like he yeah. was sensational. Well, I mean, and I think the best version of Cole Hamels was an animal. And I'm, I have a soft yes. spot for Southpaw pitchers, but. I feel like he's going to be kind of one of those overlooked aces of the last 20 plus years. Yeah, if only because I, I think there are a few things working against him. One is that he was doing that in Philly alongside Roy Halladay at first and then Cliff Lee. Yeah. And those guys just are, Halladay in particular being an actual Hall of Famer and then of course um, no longer being with us. And Cliff Lee just being so obscenely dominant for, for what he was. But I mean, look, there, number one, there's a lot to be said about the fact that you know, the World Series MVP in 2008 mm. was Cole Hamels. Yeah. Like, you know, he they don't win that World Series without him. You're looking at, at his pitching line in that World Series. Two starts, 13 innings, uh, eight strikeouts, four earned runs, only three walks against a really good Rays team. Uh, he was also the MVP of the NLCS against the Dodgers when he was outstanding. F- uh, two starts, or mm. sorry, yeah, two starts, a 193 ERA, fifth, 13 strikeouts in 14 innings, three runs allowed, one homer, five walks. And... His NLDS start against the Brewers, uh, even better. Eight yeah. innings, eight shutout innings, nine strikeouts. I think if, you, if you're looking for the Cole Hamels memory, it is probably that collective 2008 postseason when he was just arguably the best pitcher on that Phillies team and was really the difference with them winning a title and not. Um, the downs, I mean, the, the, the I guess the flip side of that is the 2009 postseason when he was absolutely terrible, but hey, flags fly forever, right? As to whether or not he's a Hall of Famer, I think that's a pretty easy no. Um, oh, just an easy I know, no. Yeah, I. I mean, look. You, I mean, you said it yourself. He's gonna be one of those guys. I think that doesn't have that kind of longevity. Except, I think really amongst Phillies fans and some weirdo Rangers fans, I had completely forgotten how long he spent in Texas. Yeah. Um, going purely by Jay Jaffe's uh, Jaws metric, which for those who are uninitiated is basically his wins above replacement metric that includes career value, a uh, seven-year peak value, and then a Jaws score that he calculates using uh, a combination of the two. 59 career wins above replacement. The average Hall of Fame pitcher, there's 66 of them in the, in the hall right now, 73 career wins above replacement. So he's very short on that category. Mm-hmm. Seven-year peak wins above, replace, uh, wins above replacement, 37.4. The average Hall of Fame pitcher peak war, 49.9. Very short on that category. By jaw score, he's at 48.2. 61.4 is the average Hall of Fame pitcher. Even if you uh, adjust it down for something Jay, Jay calls S-Jaws, which is Jaws that has been adjusted to reflect the fact that starters nowadays no longer throw 350 innings in a single season, uh, 56.8 S-Jaws is the average for the Hall of Fame, 48.2 for Hamels. He, he's just short on those metrics to, to say nothing of the fact that we're talking about a guy who never won a Cy Young, uh, which is crazy. Has to the, me. It's he, he pitched in one of the, the most star studded dominant pitching eras that we've probably ever been through. Yeah. Uh, never finished higher than fifth in the Cy Young voting. Um, That's just only the wild. one 
Only the one World Series win, never garnered MVP votes, only four All-Star appearances in his career. Uh, you know, only, uh, you know, we're going by innings total. Uh, where are those? Where are those numbers? Oh, here we go. Uh, shy of 3,000 innings, which, you know, shy of 3,000 strikeouts. I mean, these are all still... I, I think Cole Hamels is the face, the very handsome face of the Hall of Very Good, but mm. it, it's it, he does not at all feel like a, a Hall of Fame sort of. I mean, if you look at... A Do you know who his similar pitcher score is through 36, the number one? for him felix hernandez well that's uh just overall i'm saying oh, okay. through 30, age 36 if you get rid of oh, the Kurt uh, age. Wow. yeah yeah well i mean but you, if you look at the I mean, similar he's around pitches, a I think lot you're... of dominance jake peavy felix hernandez kurt schilling but Kevin I think, brown smultzy i think Millwood. those guys are also part of that hall of very good in large part because uh felix peavy saberhagen brett saberhagen who was just a, a monster early in his career uh Adam Wainwright, who I imagine will be part of this discussion in the next five years and who I think will fall similarly short. Uh, Kevin Brown. Those guys had very good peaks, Kevin Apier too, but it just never lasted long enough and they were never really part of that. They were never at no point, I think, really in his career with the exception of, I think, uh, 2008 and then for a little bit in, I think, 2011 and again, and again in 2012 was Cole Hamill's really one of the five best pitchers in baseball. It was a very short kind of peak for him. Mm to be that when and again when you look at career wins above replacement and, and where he falls uh 71st all-time in career in career wins above replacement he is that's right there with tim hudson oral hersheiser uh eddie sakate chuck finley kevin apier dave steve these are all great pitchers but these are not hall of famers the hall of fame guys in that vicinity are either veterans committee inductions or guys from a billion years ago like mordecai brown or early win or rube waddell when the standards were that much lower because, well, the Hall of Fame was in its it was in its infancy. I think the to me, in my mind, the cutoff for for current pitchers and whether or not they're Hall of Fame worthy is you have to have been better than CC Sabathia. And by wins mm. above replacement, by peak wins above replacement, and by Jaws, Sabathia has Hamels beat across the board. Uh, to say nothing of the longevity that CC Sabathia had either. Yeah, I don't think anyone argued that though, right? Career. Like CC was no. definitely a better pro and longer yes. than than Cole Hamels. Yeah. And I think, uh, and you consider too that uh, when it comes to the, the let's just do it by, by wins above replacement, the average Hall of Famer at 73.0, that's Max Scherzer. Max Scherzer mm. has 74.6 career wins above replacement. The average Hall of Famer's pitcher is at 73. And mm. I don't think there's anyone on this earth who could argue that Cole Hamels is or was a better pitcher than Max Scherzer was. And that's yeah. not particularly fair and that's a really hard bar to beat, but that's a Hall of Fame for you. So, and 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 I should say that that none of this is any shade to Cole Hamels, who was a fantastic pitcher, who has that World Series ring, who again, without Cole Hamels, the Phillies do not win that World Series. He will never buy a beer in Philadelphia again. He will always be a part of every Phillies remembrance. Um he is probably the most handsome baseball player I've ever seen aside from Kevin Kiermeyer and Chris Bryant. His hair was so very versatile for something. He could he do it long. He did that little frat hair. uh flop thing he pushed it yeah he threw a no hitter uh he's got a no hitter to his resume as well i actually remember where i I was at the that was the year i believe was that pedro martinez's hall of fame induction because that was one of his last starts for the phillies before he got traded to that deadline and he no hit the Mm. cubs um and i remember being in cooperstown for that and seeing on my phone i was like hey cole hamels cool good for cole hamels um but yeah you know he looks like by the way i finally figured it out it's been driving me nuts okay you're the wrong okay we have to go back, back, Kate. Oh, yeah, that's a good one. That's Does he not one. look? I mean, I've never seen another person look like Matthew Fox, but this is Matthew Fox. Like, he could play Matthew Fox in a biopic. He could be in Lost, the reboot. Who who would be? Who, which, who's the MLB player who's playing Hurley? Are you putting a, a wig on, uh, on Bartolo Colon? I mean... <laughs> I think that would work. Bartolo works but for that, yeah. Just, just, around it, just around it with Cole Hamels. If you think Cole Hamels yeah. is a Hall of Famer... Then by that extension, Mark Burley is a Hall of Famer. Andy Pettit that is a Hall of Famer. Right. Yeah. Uh, David Cohn is a Hall of Famer. You know, th- these are guys mm. who are great, but just did not have careers that were long enough or good enough. Cohn has like the Eli Manning take on the Hall of Fame. Or like, if you I mean, read yeah, the book. And that's, and that's the thing. Like, if if Cole Hamels had put together, and I think this is where you can bring Schilling back in, leaving mm. Kurt Schilling's reprehensible politics and personal beliefs aside, yeah, um, which we shouldn't, but that's an argument for a whole other day. Schilling's, uh, for one, Schilling was arguably the greatest control pitcher ever. For yeah. second, Schilling had 
uh, was a just a monster in the postseason. Two two postseason runs in 2001 with the Diamondbacks and 2004 with the Red Sox that are borderline immortals type stuff. Cole Hamels didn't have that. He only had 2009, and I think you know the fl- or 2008 rather. And again, I said like I said, the flip side of that is a 2009 postseason when he just got shelled every single time he stepped on the mound. So I, you know there, there's no. There's no real, I think, argument to be made for Cole Hamels. That said, if you want to get a very nice remembrance of him, uh, we did this, we ran this about a week or so ago. Michael Bauman, noted Philly sicko, uh, wrote a piece on Hamels and remembering him, so you should check that out. I think for sure Cole Hamels will be a Phillies Hall of Famer, whatever their, you know, wall of fame, ring of honor, whatever it happens to be. He is a no doubter for that one. See the Matt Ryan of the Phillies? Is this the Bill Simmons podcast now? Is Cole Hamels having a moment? <laughs> Cole Hamels sneaky good. Look, man, Cole Hamels is awesome. <laughs> Great career. Um, also, just a first rounder that panned out. Like he's just he did what he was supposed to be, seventeenth pick, no. and just had a great there, career. There's, and there's nothing the Phillies could have asked more of him for, or nah. could have asked. There's nothing more the Phillies could have asked of him. He 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 he. Uh, to keep going with the Bill Simmons stuff, he understood the assignment. Yes. Is, is yes, that a thing did. that is that even a, is that like I a don't thing? Know. You're just I don't listen to his podcast, so I. Yeah. But yeah, it's 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 fun. But I will say though, if you're if you're looking for the guys again, if you want to establish a baseline in your head for how good does a pitcher have to be currently to be a Hall of Famer, the only active pitchers currently above the Hall of Fame average in terms of wins above replacement: Scherzer, Verlander, Kershaw, Granke. You have mm. to be. You have to be a guy. You, you have to be an ace for like a dozen straight years without any interruption to be realistically in the Hall of Fame conversation. And unfortunately for Hamels, it just didn't happen. John Taylor, what can the good folks check out from you and the team over at Fangraphs.com this week? So uh, we have some fun stuff on, I think the the one I'm really looking forward to, it hasn't, it hasn't come in yet, but Esteban Herrera is going to do something on Freddie Freeman who... This is shocking to me. Freddie Freeman has twice as many stolen bases as Mookie Betts does this season. That's funny. This is the best base running season of Freddie Freeman's career. Again, I cannot say enough good things about Freddie Freeman. The dumb thing, too, is like, you know what's sad, John? What's that? Love my grandmother to death. She watches the Braves up close. And she was on, I was talking to her on um, Sunday. And she mentioned, she was like, I just... Matt Olson, he's just so good. And I mean, I think she said something along the lines of better than Freddie Freeman. And I was like, well, no. But like, he's awesome. Like they did the best, literally the best you could have ever have hoped for uh, in uh, a trade and to bounce back from losing uh, Freddie Freeman. Yeah, every each side won. The Dodgers but got a Hall of Fame first baseman. The, he's the still just Braves not got Matt Olson. Like I love Matt Olson. I have the Matt Olson no, jersey. I'll probably wear it on Friday. He's just not better than freddie freeman like he's amazing and having an all-time great year he's on a barry bonds run the last two months he's still just not better than freddie freeman look like, I, it's just... I, i'm not i'm not looking forward which is to say i'm extremely looking forward to david o'brien's replies if the dodgers beat the braves in the nlcs on the back of freddie freeman i will I, you you will like i will find a way to liquefy those replies and inject them into my veins mm. for how singularly funny that will be you're not laughing which i i understand but right. at the same time at the same time you have no. to agree no. it would be very very funny it wouldn't uh john taylor always a pleasure i'm not letting you do this to me von grissom uh <laughs> is here we'll see what happens there uh mike what, Soroka, you want to you already want to displace nikki lopez ha- shame on you very handsome but he belongs in the it's dugout. nikki season in atlanta it is nikki season in, in atlanta but um no i'm also very in like soroka needs to get called back up like i'm out on the cheerness experiment i don't know how to pronounce his name still it's still oh, just Yanni back Chirinos? yeah, yeah it, just, that, that has not worked for the old it Atlanta needs to Braves. stop john i need it out of my life it's just uh well now, now you've happen. got alan and now you've got alan all i do is winnings so <laughs> it i look if the Braves don't make it through and they don't win the world series it's because this rotation has turned into an absolute mess um john taylor always a pleasure and i'll talk to you next week Sounds good. Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah. 
Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.